Welcome to Table Flipping. I'm actress Taylor Mishak. And I'm writer Alyssa Littman. Join us as we sit down with guests to unpack how the fascinating, messy women of reality TV have shaped our lives. And of course, dish about Bravo, The Bachelor, and everything in between. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Happy Friday, Alyssa. Happy Friday. How are you? How are you feeling? You know, I'm okay. I like did a little like I woke up early to finish um, Roni this morning mm-hmm. and ha- and watched over a nice little cup of coffee. And it was I like I, I thought it was going to be so peaceful, and then the episode was so chaotic and crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like the tone, the vibe was just off. But I'm good now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you have some insider information on the Bachelorette. Oh yeah, please dish. Okay, so uh, loyal listeners will remember when we previously talked about weird spa treatments that we had done, and I talked about the Vichy rain shower massage that. I let Mike book for me at the La Quinta <laughs> Resort. Well, guess what? That's where they're filming Claire's season of The Bachelorette. And let me Whoa. tell you, I think this is an excellent choice because this resort is like you could get a timeshare there. So there are many houses that people can stay in with limited contact with each other, re-coronavirus. So that's great. Um, yeah. And then there's like sprawling grounds. There's like many, many pools. There's um, many spa things, many different restaurants. So they'll be able to mix it up over the course of most of the season, I think. Um, Mike and I went there for a little like vacation over New Year's Eve. And <laughs> we were so excited about going to this one restaurant that they have there. And we get there and like, of course, it's booked because it's New Year's Eve. And so, you know, we, we were lucky to have a reservation and we couldn't switch it anywhere else. And then we find out that there was a price fixed menu and it was like $250 <gasps> a person. Oh, my God. It was fucking crazy. I was like, well. There's no turning back now. Oh, my <laughs> And God. then we, like, were sat outside on the patio with heaters, which was, like, kind of weird. But, you know, there was nowhere else to put us. But uh, And it was beautiful. And then we were sort of in the middle of a wedding. Like, someone was getting what? married right next to us and walking down the aisle. And the aisle sort of backed all the way up to the patio. And we were like, <gasps> great. Congratulations. Oh, my God. Um, but it was beautiful. It was very romantic. If anyone wants to get married there, it seemed like a nice time. And um, I think it's a good choice for The Bachelor. Also, they have excellent dirty martinis um Mm. so hopefully we get to see a few of those as well (laughs) I'm so curious what their like activities are going to be if they're just going to be doing your crazy massage thing on every date because I feel like so many of the bachelor bachelorette dates are them being like we're in Sweden let's just walk around the streets of Sweden in beanies and hold hands and it's just like all of this b-roll of like a beautiful location and obviously this place sounds super beautiful but they're gonna have to do like very specific activities yeah, to I, kind of spice it up. I think in the article it said there might be room for limited travel. Um, I'm wondering, too, if they'll do, you know, like stuff in the desert. In Palm Desert, there's some, like, art installations. Or they could p- perhaps mm. jump over to Joshua Tree, do, like, a Pappy and Harriet's. It's going to be a very, like, SoCal season yeah. it seems I, I wonder what all the protocol for that is like are they going to truly lock down the resort and just keep them there so they're not exposed to outside elements or are we going to get them like doing that stupid fucking casino in downtown palm springs that's like great when you're wasted yeah i i, I imagine that they're going to be pushing the limits rather than being conservative but that's yeah. just what i mean i just read that uh the u.s love island which normally shoots in fiji is currently shooting in Las Vegas. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And then they're just holding, obviously you couldn't do Survivor in Las Vegas, so they're just holding production on Survivor and we're not going to have Survivor this fall, which as a new Survivor fan is a big bummer to me. <laughs> but uh, I was like, okay, I'm down for like Love Wait, Island Vegas. I have a question though, because mm-hmm. as someone who deeply loves Las Vegas, and you know we've been to Vegas together, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I have a friend who lives there who works for Caesars, 
How is that better than Fiji? It's certainly not safer. I know. I don't think it is at all. So Fiji just is rejecting anybody coming in. Uh, so Fiji was like, you can't do Love Island. And CBS was like, please, God, someone let us do Love Island. So oh, they're okay. they just like, oh, they just, yeah. So they were like, we can't do Fiji. We will go to one of the most dangerous places we could go to. But they, they did say that they're doing it somewhat, you know, still isolated because that's like the concept of the show. So it's like, right. I think shows like Love Island and Big Brother uh, and things like that where you're already sort of quarantined mm-hmm. by the concept of the show. But uh, but I'm just, uh, I'm very down to see like the weird Vegas yeah. Corona version of this show. I've never watched uh, Love Island US, but it'll be, I'm, I'm just, I'm very curious to see how they handle this. Yeah, I might check that out. That's really funny because Vegas to me is something that if you're there for longer than three days, it turns into hell very fast. You know, like it seems <laughs> like a fun thing to draw out and then you're like, I have to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so one time I went to Vegas and I saw this group of girls who were like touring you the u.s from europe together and they thought that they should spend a week in vegas and i was like oh man and they were so fucked up they like could not believe that they did that they thought there would be enough things to do for a week in vegas they were just like so worn out and so sunburnt and so no. like covered in like cigarette smoke and i feel no. like that's what the season of love island is going to be and yeah, i'm all for it <laughs> That is such a funny image. Yeah. Um, did you, I had only one thing to say, speaking of other like trashy shows out in the summer, uh, about Siesta Key, which is, I think I'm going to, when I have free time in the next few days, just like transcribe a scene from Siesta Key to the page <laughs> because like their dialogue, if you really listen to what they're yeah. saying sometimes, especially, and I love him because he's so cute, but Garrett yeah. like can barely form a sentence. And there's so many scenes with like Kelsey trying to flirt where she's like so sexy and her look is so great. But like the sentence she says is just like so stupid and I mean and then then they'll be like the boys examining their beer bottles with like the flashlight on their iPhones to see if there's like an expiration date like Garrett being like I think this beer is expired yeah and they're just like examining the beers I'm like these if you read this as a script like I just think this is the most spectacular thing it reminds me of our guest Jordan Van Dyna who did 90 Day Fiance yes. will do like those funny like spoof scripts and I'm yeah. like honestly like we need to make like the account Academy Award winning screenplay of the Siesta Key dialogue. Like, I just think it's that's like all I have to say on the matter. Yeah. One of my favorite things that Sean Clemens said on his episode about Siesta Key was just when he was imitating Garrett saying a jet ski. That'd be pretty cool. (laughs) Like over and over. (laughs) I mean, a jet ski would be pretty cool. Yeah. Like in this date, like uh, when Kelsey gets drinks with Jake this week, Jake was like, you look really pretty. And Kelsey's like, I was wondering when you were going to do something like that. And he's like, yeah. And it, like, that's the, that was like the scene. And it's like, what, what? I <laughs> <laughs> was the whole scene. And there's all this like sexy music and the lighting is so great. Mm-hmm. And so it's like very pleasant to watch, but just like, uh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to transcribe it and try to upload it to our Instagram. Yeah. I mean, uh. the whole reason why Chloe's invaluable to that show is because she can form a complete thought. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like truly the only scenes with like actual substance are fully have Chloe carrying it because there's so many beautiful people that could just like barely get through a sentence. Yeah, for sure. Oh. Um, let's talk about Beverly Hills. I, I'm, I have mixed feelings about what's happening. I, I'm a little worried we're being led astray with this Denise stuff. Mm. Um, what do you have mm. on Beverly Hills? The first thing I had is just to mention that like, I think she looked so phenomenal in this episode, but Dorit drinking a Dasani with a straw is like (laughs) such a vibe that I cannot get on board with. I think Dasani tastes like terrible butt water. And I had to prove this to Tony like two weeks ago because I would, I have told him on several occasions, like I'm not going to drink Dasani. It's trash. And he's like, I no no one can tell the difference. And I did a blind test with Dasani water and other water. And I identified all of the water. Wow. 
<laughs> I think we did. I we either I think we did three. It was like our water, a smart water, and the Dasani. And it's like, dude, it Dasani is trash. So it's so funny that Dorit is just like the one of the like the most self proclaimed bougiest, and her just drinking out of this like Dasani what bottle is like too much for me. Um, that's I how we also know, sorry. That's how we know that she's a con artist, and she doesn't really have yes, enough money to drink out of a Fiji it. water. That's <laughs> it, and that she's like fine with like don't tell me that you can't only have champagne in a champagne flute but then and you then, can drink yeah. absolute dust water from like a mcdonald's drive-thru yeah but i so i just like don't i didn't get that and then i i on the dorit train i was so you know i was <laughs> so excited about the idea of pk trying to talk to Aaron about talking to the women I was like this is such a fucked up web of what you shouldn't do and obviously PK did sort of learn his lesson by telling it in the talking head and being like hey I've learned the lesson of trying to defend my wife and and getting it way too involved with these women and I you just have to like be her you know ally but not get involved and then him trying to go talk to Aaron was like so awful and confrontational and funny and uh, just the weirdest. I truly just wrote down, okay, PK, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, okay. Like we're oh, okay. Yeah, sure. I like um, that they really just let Aaron loose this season. Like last season we were like, oh my God, Denise is like, really sweet like much better than charlie sheen husband who like didn't want a hand job from a masseuse that's so nice and this season we're like wow like <laughs> i'm scared yeah. yeah totally exposed i uh i i always love a big like kyle party like this so i just like liked the yeah. you know the theme and all the outfits and all of the old people who were coming in but yeah you, uh, wh- wh- what do we think about what's happening with this Denise thing? So I was, I was sort of saying to you that, um, Brandy's energy to me at this party is like, you know, I, you know, maybe I just had very low self-esteem and got myself in this situation, but I, I would like to think that everyone's been in a situation where you've been consistently hooking up with someone and they're not quite ready to appear at a birthday party together with you because it's too official or it seems too much like Mm. you're a couple even though one person may very much want to be a couple because they sleep Mm. together every night or whatever it is just a random just a random (laughs) scenario that I'm pitching (laughs) and um then you go to the birthday party and like the person who really likes that other person who's trying to hide it uh sort of follows them around all night like a puppy dog Mm. and they get ignored and it's almost like, you know, you know, it seems weird that you're behaving that way because it's not being acknowledged, the dynamic between the two of you. And then you go home and you get like a text or a call from them. Like, can I come over? And yeah. so Brandy to me was like, hey, can I sit next to you? Like acting, you know, acting as if this intimacy between her and Denise happened and was going to be acknowledged in some sense. Mm-hmm. And it really seemed like Denise was trying to sweep that shit under the rug and give her the cold shoulder. Yes, I agree. I do think that there was a, a yeah, like a, a puppy energy to Brandy following her around and that like Denise had sort of not made up her mind. Even just the way she said hello to her and was like, oh, hi. And like, mm-hmm. let's just didn't really know how to handle herself, which and she's someone who like is very confident interacting with the rest of the cast, whether she likes them or not. So it was uh, definitely like a loaded situation. But I also was distracted by like uh, Brandy seemingly being cool around Aaron and like kind of calling him hot and talking to him and engaging with him in a way that seems like that's going to be very bad later. But I don't know. It's uh, she seems like someone who tries to make things okay. I mean, we've seen her do this on the series. She tries to make it okay by joking around. But it, the joking around goes too far, and then people get pissed off at her. Like, it doesn't yeah. seem like Brandy is under the impression that she's trying to steal Denise away from Aaron. She's, it, it seems like, to me, by doing that, that she's trying to keep things above board so that there's no way anyone could be mad. But mm-hmm. Denise, I mean, we don't know. We're not getting any info about this. We just know what the tabloids had said, and we know that Denise, like, doesn't want to talk about this. I mean, like, there was a quote right before we started recording that Rinna said the the reunion that they're filming right now is bullshit and that mm. she, like, Denise essentially ruined it by, by trying to take legal action against all of them. So I don't know that yeah. we're ever going to actually get the truth or Denise's side of what happened. We might only get Brandy's 
you know, limited whatever she can say that her lawyer said she could say side. Yeah. It's just kind of a bummer. I, I'm not on anyone's side, really, because I like both housewives and I dislike things about both housewives. I just wish that Denise would allow the show to be the show. Agreed. And I think it was interesting in this episode that the lunch that Rena has with Denise and the this was one of the first times, uh, at least in my experience watching Housewives, where Rena kind of broke the fourth wall and was like, I think that Denise is trying to use this show as a way to correct her image, especially after season one, mm-hmm. where she made all these like hand job comments and penis comments and like was very overly sexual and 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 seemingly a little bit more authentic. And now there's this like big, you know, she's trying to make this plot out of her being a good mom and her not wanting the housewives around her kids. And now when something comes up about, you know, perhaps this either extramarital affair or in their marriage affair, I don't know, then she's like, well, I just don't want this in the show. And so I I think it was interesting that Rena was like, I just think she's trying to control the narrative in a way that you really cannot control the narrative in a show like this. Like, then it just becomes the story. And yeah. so I think that's a little bit of what we're seeing happen. Like, this whole, like, Denise keeps walking out of parties. Denise will only come with Aaron. Mm-hmm. Like, Denise is only going to talk about certain things. Is her really trying to control it? And I thought it was fascinating when Lisa Renner was like, you can't do, you just can't do that. Like, it's just not how the show works. Like, that's not how we're all just showing our real lives. So. And by saying that on camera, she's kind of trying to protect her friend a little bit. By being like, look, mm. you're making it worse by trying to hide this. Like, yes, you're making it into the season's story, you know, yeah. like, um, I don't know. I just felt for Brandy. Like I, I have been in a sort of similar situation where I went to a party and the person that I was interested in at the time and we had been hooking up and talking every day was acting like I didn't exist. And I remember going outside and sitting down like in front of a bar or whatever, cause I was upset And that person's best friend came outside and sat next to me. And he goes, he goes, I don't know what's wrong with him, man. I told him, if you're not going to fuck her, I'll fuck her. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I was like, thanks. I appreciate that. That's not really how, you know, that's not really going to make me feel better. But I appreciate the sentiment. Oh, my God, Alyssa. Because I, I understood that that was what coming from a good place. What a Siesta Key moment, honestly. Place. <laughs> but I was like, wow, dude, my man, that's just not what I need to hear right now. That's wow. not how dating works. Like, none of wow. it, you know? <laughs> that's really spectacular. I, I can't help but wonder if Brandy was in that situation, if she would just be like, okay, and would just fuck whoever that person was. So yeah. I'm proud of you for saying no thank you. Yeah, and yeah. you know what? That guy's heart was in the right place. Boys are just... <laughs> They need some extra help, man. That is rough. Really tough. Um, oh, we can also not not talk about this, like, spectacular oh, no. Garcelle scene. No, no. It's, <laughs> it's so weird. It was like I, I was loving the, like, the energy leading into that meeting where Garcelle was like, I've modeled. I've acted. Now I'm writing. I want to make my own work. Like, I'm fucking booking. I'm doing it. And they sit down with this, like, director who's supposed to be pitching herself on this show, this, like, original script that Garcelle wrote with her writing partner, I think, if I'm getting this right. And then they do this like horribly unflattering montage for this director who's pitching herself, making it seem like she's sort of like rewriting their script in a really awful way. And Garcelle's like rolling her eyes and like making all of these like, geez, Louise kinds of expressions. And then the, the they excuse the director from the meeting and they just like shit on her for five minutes. And I'm, I was so stressed out the entire time because I was like, I can't tell who's worse, who's who, like who's at fault here. I, it was like my literal nightmare. Like <laughs> I, so first of all, that is sort of what a pitch is like, you know. And but that <sighs> the thing that I think went wrong, pitching on a project, like there's open writing assignments where you come in and you give your take, and if they like that take, then they go with you to write the project. But it seems like what happened was the script was already written, and this director, the way that they edited it the director seemed like she was pitching a different movie separate from what was already locked and agreed on, which is an insane thing to do. So to me, that means either something was miscommunicated to her, like through her Mm -hmm. representation or the executives or whatever, 
and obviously the executives are not going to be like, oops, sorry, we thought you wanted a different take. Or Mm -hmm. she just had never done that before, and she was, like, misinformed on what that kind of meeting would look like. And maybe she's also a writer, so she's used to giving her take on stuff. I don't know. It was a disaster. The way that they (laughs) cut it together, the, like, reaction shots of, like, Garcelle's producing partner, I was just like, Mm -hmm. fuck. If I ever saw that face in a fucking pitch meeting, A, I would, like, die. I would probably, like, black out and have a panic attack. And B... I would pivot to something else, you know? Yeah, (laughs) but she was, like, balls deep and just telling this, like, weird story. She was, like, truly, like, describing the summary of a, like, weird love triangle, like, murder mystery thing and was just, like, going from beginning to middle to end. And I was like, this is so painful and I think Garcelle handled it somewhat well when she left and was like perhaps it's because this is a writer director and not just a director so she feels like it's part of her role to like write a new movie but I would like to make the movie that we all agreed to make (gasps) yeah no I I thought that was very graceful of her yeah and I also think it's important I loved seeing especially in a scene where she like has so much shit on her plate and is doing so much. And she was like, I'm going to work until the day I die. They, the, the producers are like, well, why don't you just make your directorial debut? And Garcelle's like, no. And I loved that. I was like, fuck yeah. I think it's also really cool to see someone be like, no, I'm going to say no to that. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to do that. Because there's, so, I mean, there's so many, like, obviously, if you're like the Lisa Rinna of the world, you just fucking do everything. And right. you're like, great. Yeah, I'll do it. Yes. I say yes to everything. And obviously, Garcelle says yes to a fucking lot. But I loved the scene just ending with them being like, well, why don't you do it? She just goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes girl I love it I like thought that was the coolest I just I can't imagine any circumstance where I would ever say yes to allowing a pitch like that be filmed for the real housewives mm, mm, just mm-hmm. like big time no thank you never gonna do that <laughs> And I would love to do anything else on The Real Housewives. I'll get screamed at, whatever. It doesn't matter. But, like, a pitch, there's absolutely no fucking way. Like, that's brutal. If you have a terrible pitch, you never want anyone to watch it ever again. And now that's going to be on Hulu or Peacock or whatever for the rest (laughs) of your life. It reminds me of the um, the stand-up comedians that they yes. edited together so poorly Ugh. on Roni a few weeks ago. I was like, oh, that's just so mean. And they Terrible. probably think like, I'm going to be on a show. And then it's just edited to make you look like you are so bad at your job. I feel terrible. By the way, yeah. these goddamn streaming wars, I keep insisting that I'm not going to pay for any more shit because I already pay for all the original shit. And they mm. are taking all the Bravo shows and putting them on Peacock. I know. And so I'm we like, downloaded right, it last night. We did. We were like, we just got to get Peacock, right? There's so much stuff on Peacock. Peacock's whole thing is that they're like feel-good TV. So they're just going to get so many downloads right now because they have so much feel-good TV. So we downloaded it last night to watch, uh, like, they have just, like, fun family movies and stuff. But Oh, that's nice. (laughs) I guess we need that. Uh, let's, I mean, unless we, do we have more to unpack about Beverly Hills or can we move to the chaos? That was my early morning this morning watching Real Housewives of New York. Let's move to Roni. Um, I just want to say everyone is near death on this show and it's fully Grey Gardens. Like it is. (laughs) Wow. What a comp. That's so true. Completely out of control. The storylines don't even matter anymore. I I just want to list a couple things that happened like back to back. Okay. Lu- Luann is standing outside sobbing with all of her luggage, like, in the freezing cold. Leah admits that she peed on a prince in the shower. <laughs> Ramona grabs her own shit out of the toilet. <laughs> Sonia is about to drown in 10 feet of bubble bath. And then just, like, Melinda, Dor- Dorinda's sister, who looks like Dorinda but, like, a little scarier, shows up and is just, like, wandering around, like, I'm so happy to be part of this. <laughs> um... I, uh, what do you think about the state of the show right I now? I also, like I said, I think it's like, it is chaos. And the past, I want to say the past couple episodes, but dare I say the whole season has been chaos? Like, yeah. it, it, it's it's funny because the trailer for this season was like, you know, super, like all of these cuts of them, like dancing on tables and screaming and throwing food at each other and running around naked. And it was like, oh, sick, this is going to be a great season. And then now the season is truly actually just that same montage, just longer. Like there are no coherent conversations. It's just like these crazy parties all the time. It's still 
like fun, but I'm way less invested in what's happening. I also think like the but the most disappointing part of this episode for me was them getting in a big fight and Luann leaving in tears, as you said. Yes. And then the next morning they all were like, well, too much rosé. You want to forget about it? And they all agreed to forget about it. And I was like, I'm sorry. Does that mean every single fight you've ever had on the entire history of this show means nothing? Because let me tell you something. Rosé was involved in all of those, too. Yeah. And you guys (laughs) chose not to get over it. So now are we entering a phase where not only are we going to be drunk every episode, but we also are going to just, like, forget about it the next day? Because, like, that doesn't make sense for the audience, I don't think. But I don't know. It's getting so kooky. The fucking uh, breathalyzer. Like, I know I'm borderline a functional alcoholic, but the second you see me breathing <laughs> into a breathalyzer at a dinner table, Alyssa, just slap me. I, this is what I'm trying to say that vodka is going to kill Luann. Like, this is not normal. No. This is not even normal by a housewife standards. Like, there's a difference between being a little toasty and getting into an argument that doesn't make sense and being like, giving yourself a concussion every time you drink because you're so fucking wasted, Sonia. And Luann just, like, freaking the fuck out and turning into a demon. And and Ramona just, like, I I don't even know what to make of all of this. And Leah is on a whole different level. I'm so, like, I like her as a housewife, but her energy is so scary. She's the girl who, like, drags you into a bathroom stall and is like, let's do coke. And you're like, no, 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 that's okay. Thank you. And she's like, no, sweetie, listen to me. And she, like, grabs your face. And she's like, let's do it. It's going to be amazing. I promise. I promise nothing bad will happen. And you're like, no, no, thank you. I'm okay. And she's like, bitch, let's do it. And yeah. you're like, all right, fine. I'll just do it. You've nailed it. You've nailed it. That is exactly her essence. Have you? And, they, and they're and they fucking going at each other still online right now. Like they are yeah. in deep, balls deep and also some like crazy conflicts. But Leah said that Ramona poops during sex. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I'm like, there's way too much poop this week for me on these shows. Like, I watched them for, you know, the opulence and luxury, and there was just shit everywhere I looked. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Stupid shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Should we we get get into into our interview? (laughs) (laughs) We all all nail this one day. Is it? It's a totally different tone than this. It's much more, you know, existential and like sort of examining the human condition with um, the, the lovely actress, Kat Foster, who I've worked with on a couple occasions. Um, she's excellent. And we're going to talk about the OG of reality TV, American Idol. So I hope you guys enjoy. This is American Idol. Today we have the incredibly talented and funny and gorgeous actress, Kat Foster. She's been in Jean-Claude Van Johnson, excuse me, uh, Barry, and most importantly to me, Your Family or Mine, which is the show I met my boyfriend Mike on. Um, She also has a podcast called Acting Real, where she talks to actors about things that they've learned in their craft and how it's helped them in real life and she's had some really impressive guests on them uh, on there welcome Kat thank you so much for joining us hey thanks for having me gals I have to say like just first and foremost if you have not acted the shit out of that pilot with Kyle Howard (sighs) I may have never met my boyfriend who I think will be my husband someday (laughs) I'm so happy I can't you know you you reached out to me and I was like you guys are still together which was not because you guys were such a great couple always and then we like did that little short web series that you guys were doing and and I was really into you always, but that was like five years ago. And when you guys are young, like you are, I think it's like normal to be like, well, they'll probably go through stuff. They'll probably, you know, they'll probably sure. break up. They're not going to marry each other. They're like yeah. 22, you know, <laughs> and like here you are still together, which makes me so happy because I feel like you guys have a really good thing from everything that I remember. Yeah, that show was a TBS multicam and it was so special and had such a sweet cast and it's it's maybe the only show that I've worked on and it was the first show I ever worked on that I really felt like everyone was such a cohesive 
family, um, cast, writers, every, just everyone on set was so nice to each other. And I feel like you were such a big part of that because the leads really set the tone in that way. Mm, thanks for saying that. Yeah, we had a great time. And Kyle is such a lovely dude. And um, and Greg Malins was such a lovely dude. And yes. I feel like it was a really good, good vibe. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, well, today we're here to talk about American Idol, which is one of the most <laughs> iconic OG reality <laughs> TV shows ever, I think. Ever, 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 ever. So huge. Nothing is as huge. It's so, and I, I am, it's, it's crazy that I forgot about it. Same. I was so excited for us to do it. I was like, oh my God, yeah, American Idol. And then to even just look at like, it was the biggest show truly like unparalleled in broadcasting history as Wikipedia says. Like, how did we forget about it? I know. Well, I was like, I'm always like, I don't watch reality TV. Not that I have anything against it because I feel like I should watch reality TV because it's like such like a nice relaxing thing to do right I mean and mm -hmm. it's fascinating and it's like it's like good tv like you want to watch it's highly entertaining television reality mm -hmm. tv but I typically have like a hard time with it because I get so like my whole body becomes a big cringe you know <laughs> yeah. like I like I yeah. like want to hide so badly that like I can really only tolerate like the great British Bake Off you know like things that are very right. mild and like very like quiet and nice and so when Alyssa reached out I was like oh god I don't even want and then I was like oh American Idol was like my favorite show like I, I talked about it all year it was like Game of Thrones it was like bigger than Game of Thrones to me like I loved <laughs> American Idol and of course, you know, now I don't watch it. Any I mean, now it's not on anymore, right? Or did it move to ABC? I it think it switched on? to ABC, but I, I actually heard a behind the scenes uh, situation, you know, because of the pandemic, they tried to restart production and 19 people tested positive for COVID <gasps> while they were trying to film American Idol, which is a real oh, bummer. That's <laughs> like not how I want to get COVID. Like, I just no. don't want to get COVID-19 from American Idol <laughs> season like 72 like I like I just am not here for it yeah what is the circumstance under which you would want to get COVID-19 <laughs> that's true well, I agree that American Idol, American Idol. <laughs> but I guess maybe like fighting for like being a you know like working at a hospital you know right. trying yeah. to yeah. save right. people's lives getting COVID-19 might be like worthwhile I guess sure yeah. yeah it's just like in this situation like you've got to you're going to get it do you want to get it right. because yeah you're working at but a not hospital just because at a like, grocery store right. or because you got it from like Ryan Seacrest right. after you cracked belting a show tune in <laughs> right. front of all of the judges. Like, right, right. I would just prefer to get it a different way. It's just it, you think about I mean yeah you just wish that the show the, the places that were trying to go back to work were essential and not American Idol. I don't yeah. know. Someone was like we must get American Idol <laughs> back in production. That's so insane to me. Like you guys like you could wait like we're not all clamoring for it which is which is crazy and sort of sad when you think about its beginning when yes. all three of us were watching it and what an absolute sensation it was. Like, oh, I was you know, in the beginning. I was clamoring for it for sure. So were you watching it live like everyone was? So, like, were oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the beginning, I was. Yeah. I mean, I think I watched like first season. Who is who won first season? Kelly Clarkson. Oh, yeah. She yeah. was the first winner. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, I was watching it. I was doing regional theater at the time. I was in Virginia at a regional theater called The Barter. Wow. And we were, mm -hmm. like, in it. We were, like, watching it every single week when it came on. And maybe we maybe we DVR'd it only because we had shows those nights. I feel like it was, like, on a Wednesday or was it on Sundays to begin with? No, they remember. were on weekdays because there was, like, all of this confusion about when it should be because the voting was live. So oh, they, like, right. wanted people to be, like, home from work and available to vote. So it usually right. was on, like, Tuesdays and Wednesdays and stuff like that. Right. I'm curious if you and your friends at the regional theater – had talked about after it was on for a few seasons, my like musical theater friends and I growing up, a bunch of them started to audition. Oh, and yeah. I know somebody. Is... Really? Yeah. Okay, my, I want to hear that story. This dude I hung sure. out with in college, Judd, he was, he got, he made it to Hollywood, but then that was his, I think he got, he was like the first to get kicked off in Hollywood. But he was incredible. He had an amazing voice. Judd and Harris? He, Judd Harris. 
And oh he and God. I went to NYU together. And oh we wow! Were, like, in classes together and stuff. Wow. Okay. Okay. So this is this is legit. That I mm-hmm. we I I feel like my my friends and I were just like, well, they don't pick like big Broadway voices. Like they're looking for pop. So there was like, I was like, why isn't this show just like dominated by the people who are on Broadway right now? Just like with these huge like powerhouse voices. And so we thought that there was a a I bias that, against that Broadway babies. That might be that, but also I think that I think that that's probably part of it. But also I think that. I mean, I feel like Simon always was like, you know, like you're working. I like I hear you working in dinner theater. Like Simon particularly had like he didn't like musical theatery, quote unquote, mm. musical theatery voices. Although I agree with you that Broadway has gotten poppier. Mm. So it would seem. But I think also they look for the young kids. Like and when you're going to Broadway, I mean, unless you're auditioning for like musical theater conservatories, um, like you're usually older if you're on Broadway or like in school. Like, I don't, or, or by the way, maybe everyone does audition now and we don't even know it. You know? Well, did you know that there was a age gap cap on season one that was 24 years old? Oh my God. Whoa. You could not audition for American Idol if you were 25 years old. And then they raised it in season three to like 28. Wow. <laughs> in 24 is like you just graduated college and you have like 10 roommates you don't know how you're gonna make any money or you're like in embryo like I don't understand you're 24 there were some crazy young like remember David Archuleta yeah I can't believe I just pulled that name I literally can't believe that name just like came out of me but remember he was like six he was tiny he was like Mm -hmm. 16 or something like younger like they were like they're like babies yeah babies that's so crazy I think it's so interesting too that We've talked a little bit about how at a certain point, if you're an actor, there might be a path where you consider doing reality TV. And I feel like the conventional wisdom, whether that this is dated or not, is that that kind of lowers your stock as far as consider uh, being considered a serious actor. But then when you look at how far all these people from the early days of Idol went, I mean, Jennifer Hudson won an Oscar, you know? That's like, so true. Mm-hmm. That's so true about her. But she, like, who else, though? I mean, she's the outlier. <laughs> okay, so know? here's the I guess Kat, like, Kat McPhee. Kat McPhee, she's, like, created a pretty good career for herself, Yeah, and she's right? married to David Foster Wallace, which is okay. a whole other thing that's, like, highly relevant to our podcast because yeah. he was married to a housewife. <laughs> um, oh, and that age gap is big, honey. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> are so far apart in age, it's great. Back in the day, and, I mean, I think still to some degree, like, part of – I'll just speak for myself. Like part of my value as an actor is that people don't know the quote unquote real me. Or this is the idea, right? Right. Yeah. But like I don't go out like and have a website. And I, you know, I struggle with this on social media too. Like ideally I remain kind of enigmatic so that I can believably slip in and out of roles. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to see Charlize Theron on, like, Instagram stories because then, like, I know her. And then, like, Mm -hmm. I can recognize her in movies. That makes so much sense. So I feel like there is something um, about that where, like, you don't want the real you out there because you want to be able to be the... You want to be real as other people, too. And the more you that's out there, the less believable you are stepping into someone else's skin, I think. Mm. Do you think that for, I mean, By the way, I'm not saying, I I don't, sorry, I didn't mean to, I I don't know if that's true necessarily. And, like, that's a subject, I mean, we could talk about that forever. I'm not saying that I necessarily believe that, but I do think that that's sort of, that's, that's where that comes from. No, I think that's really interesting because when I, as a viewer, watch a lot of these things, if I see someone playing the same part over and over again, a part of me, if I'm being honest, is like, well, their range isn't as big, you know? And so if you Mm -hmm. start to show exactly how you are in real life all the time, do people start to think, oh, she's just playing herself? You know what I mean? Which is like in some way less impressive, even though like all acting is extremely hard. And if you're entertaining people, like that's awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, if you think about like the most amazing chameleon like actors in the world, like they don't have big social media presences, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? And I think, you know, ideally, and this is, I mean, I'm not trying to talk about my podcast, but here we are talking about acting. So it sort of relates, but I think like, 
you know, the reason that I did my podcast is, is, you know, I think acting can be a real, really mystical experience. And I think a lot of actors are essentially like mystics in disguise because we aspire on some level to be no thing. Like we aspire to be no one so that we can inhabit everyone. And so, you know, when you're on reality TV, and I think that this is why sort of my whole body becomes cringe, <laughs> cringy when I watch stuff is like, these people are being so something. Yeah. Like they are being so this thing that they are. They are like inhabiting it so completely that they themselves don't even realize that that's not them. Yeah. That makes and sense. then we all watch it and we go, oh, that's them. And then they watch themselves on repeat and they go, oh, yeah, that's me. And like, I like that me or like, I hate that me. But like, we're engaged in this, in this, in this, like, um, you know, sometime, like, sometimes self-flagellating, other times self-aggrandizing, like, celebration of our quote unquote identities, you know, and then like, that's what, that's what life is that totally happens with the housewives too like you catch them after so many seasons on bravo sorry we talk about the housewives a lot on this show um you catch like luann doing her catchphrases you know like she's performing the version of herself that she thinks the internet likes and you're like wait no i just want to watch you naturally react to these situations i don't want you to you know, act the character of the countess or of Luann, you know what I mean? Right, right. Do you have a favorite judge? I mean, who doesn't, yeah, I mean, who does, well, favorite, I don't know, they're all, like, so special in all the ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I adore, like, Simon is so interesting because, like, you just, he's, he's kind of a dick, right? But then, like, you, you love him so much. I mean, he's, like, the most lovable dick, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, do you guys feel like that? For me, like I, like I, he was like always mean, and everyone was like, "Oh, is he gonna be nice or not? Is he gonna like that person that we all like? Is he gonna say something mean?" And then, yeah, then you're like, "Oh, you said something nice. Now I love you so much." <laughs> yeah, there was something so predictable about his acting, as though he was unpredictable, because it did seem like there was uh, there would be, I think, episodes where he would not be nice to anybody, and then would very yeah. periodically be somewhat kind to a young contestant and you'd be like oh my god they must be so special because Simon likes them I was a bit of a I remember this coming out and me like trying to be a cool contrarian and I would like always agree with Simon I'd be like he's totally right and and, and you just got to tell the truth you don't want to like lead these people on and I would just like be this like little like pre I think it was in like middle school maybe early high school of just like actually people think Simon's mean but he's doing the right thing like (laughs) well he's so but I was I agree like I agree though I feel like I was always like oh he does always like I never disagree with him like, I do, I do feel like he was pretty, like, honest, you know? For sure. Yeah. I feel like my brain is so messed up, too, that, like, unless you, unless I see you be a complete hard ass towards everyone, including me, then I'm not going to believe that I actually did a good job, even if you compliment right. me, right. <laughs> which is terrible <laughs> and not, not the way that it's an exhausting way to live, for sure. So yeah. it, I feel like a Simon compliment meant more than a Paula compliment, even though Paula's right. like fabulous and does know what she's talking about. Yeah. Or like a Randy. Right. For sure. Do you guys feel like Paula or the other women who were on the judging panel had to be nicer, like couldn't be assholes because they were women in any way? Yes. Yes. There's such a, I, I was like watching a few clips and it's, I hate that there is such a apologetic nature that I see if I saw in clips with Paula and I've seen it with Katy Perry and like more recent Mm. seasons where even just physically you start like kind of like bending over and like Mm. looking around and you're like, I'm sorry. I love you, but I just got to say, I (laughs) don't think this is the thing for you. And they like, they have to truly take up so much space and so much time to buy themselves permission to say something critical Mm. And the male judges don't have to do that. They don't, they're just like, it takes them two seconds to be like, sorry, dog, I don't think this is it for you. Mm. And I, mm-hmm. I find that the, you know, I imagine I haven't been in their shoes, but the women who are in those positions don't feel like they have the same permission to be yeah. as critical. Or like there's some expectation that they'll sort of be maternal or, mm-hmm. you know, caretaking yeah, um, or nurturing in some way. I mean, 
you know, then it's like, like, I mean, I think like a lot of women do possess those characteristics. So there's like truth in that, but also there's, you know, maybe then some expectation that builds up that makes it hard to be critical when, Mm -hmm. when they need to be. Um, I do have to say that I worked on, this is just a straight humble brag. I worked on a pilot where Paula Abdul played like a fairy godmother figure Uh and she was amazing and lovely and I got to watch her dance and she still absolutely got it and was like correcting some of the dancers in the scene which I thought was really cool to get like you know notes from Paula Abdul on certain things and then she had her assistant on set um hold her dog just the entire time so I just want to let both of you know since you both have great dogs that that is totally an option on your next project (laughs) (laughs) and it was a real joy like I loved hanging out with her dog it was great (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's so funny. First of all, yes, I will be bringing Fredo to every set. That reminds me that I only did one. I I went to my first... TCAs at the beginning of this year, mm-hmm. which was the, the, you know, like a big press event. And yeah. they did for the cast of Dave, they did like a media training, which was very, very helpful of just like talking about interviews and whatnot. And they wanted to give us examples of good interviews and bad interviews. Uh-huh. And so they get, played that example of that weird, famous, like infamous, I should say, viral interview of Paula Abdul, like seemingly on something, perhaps drunk, where she's just like kind of all over the place and she's touching her face and she ends up like sort of touching the camera. And it was so uncomfortable and bizarre. And it ended. And Dave was like, I got to admit, that's a terrible example of a bad interview. Like, that's just a bad, that's a horror, like, we're not going to show up drunk. Like, like, that's just a weird, funny video you showed us, but that we didn't learn anything none yeah. of us are gonna do that I hope like it's just such like a weird so thing extreme to yeah he's like that's just a real I would love to see an interview like just like kind of a mediocre one like I think I might learn more from that as opposed to this like Paula Abdul kind of losing I it. feel like I have so many mediocre mediocre interviews online <laughs> <laughs> google cat foster like some of those really early morning show ones and it's just like <laughs> Just like really trying to like not be tired, but also like try to not be too enthusiastic. You know, like I think like the operative word is trying. Yeah. Like if you're trying, then that then that would probably lead to not such a great interview. It's so bananas to me that the assumption it like is, well, if you're an actor, then you can also do all of these press obligations and no one has to teach you how to do it really. Like, like you you should just be able to, if you can act on TV, then you can model and do a funny, charming interview and like do like basically broadcast journalism. And you're like, that's all different skills. It's all different skills that I can do that. I can't. And then they're like, here's one bad Paula Abdul video. Hit the road. There you go. Right. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, I would have killed for anyone ever to tell me how to stand on a red carpet. You know, mm-hmm. like I just would have killed for that yes. in the beginnings of my career. I mean, I just and like it just never happened. Like no one told me. Nobody no one told teaches me. you. No they just throw you out there to the wolves. And yeah, I, and, and then at like, some can point, I not like maybe a like a, a stylist might help you out if you like. At some point, I just started asking, just being like, "Oh, I don't know how to do this. Like, <laughs> I don't know how to do this. Like, show me how to do this." And then like I would get like little pointers or whatever. But I there are so many situations, and even with interviews, you know, like I mean, I've. I've done a lot now and, and still like even recent ones, I look back and I'm like, Oh God, like, Oh God. I just, I cringe at myself, you know? Cause it's like, (laughs) you know, just, I mean, anyway, I, I do wish that we, we, we got more help with that. And I think, I mean, now what I aspire toward and, and this is, I think again, like why sometimes reality is amazing to watch. And then other times it, it like makes me like, like die but um like I think like the the ultimate aspiration is authenticity like can we actually be ourselves Mm -hmm. can we be ourselves can we can we can we can we show on the outside what we feel on the inside like can we can we do that and like even if those things are things that like we're scared to show right so like Mm -hmm. like if we're feeling anxious about being on a red carpet can we 
like instead of going out there and being, I'm not anxious, I'm not anxious, I'm not anxious, can you actually just like integrate your anxiety and just be? Can you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are moments like that, even in the dumbest and cringiest worthy I think shows. You're right. Of course. That, like, where, and we spy those moments and we love them and we live for them. And that's yeah. how we become like so in love with so many of these, I'll say, characters. Uh, because I, we can spy that like audiences can sniff out what is real or not. And we're, we're we make concessions for all these other moments to like all this filler. Speaking of, uh, you know, anxiety inducing moments that you're not uh, quite sure how to handle a big part of American Idol, not only um, was the stars who, you know, ended up going really far, but they would always start with the horrendous auditions at the very beginning of the show that we, you know, it was, it, she bangs. Know, she it was, bangs. I know. William Hung. <laughs> I was thinking about how, like, Gen Z probably has no idea who that is. It's wow. so sad. Aren't you guys Gen Z? No, we're millennials. No. Oh, right. Okay, sure. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask you, too, as actresses, are there any, and you don't have to name names, but are there any experiences and auditions that you would just be mortified if they ended up on American Idol, basically. Oh, jeez. My, uh, my boyfriend is a director and was casting a commercial for um, World of Warcraft. And the audition was to sing a song, and they gave you the, the like, first verse, and then they kind of wanted you to improvise into a, into a second verse. And he was like, you should come in. Like, you should totally do this. And like, you know, you're from like a campy musical theater background. Like, you should do it. I couldn't. I started to like try to do it in my apartment. And the thought of, I just like saw myself in the American Idol version of this. And not only doing it for a group of people, but (laughs) also the person I am sleeping with. And I just had to be like, I'm so sorry. I don't want you to lose respect for me. Like, as an actor, I take, but like, I cannot bring myself to like sing this made up song about a video game in front of you and your coworkers at Space I'm Station. I'm so glad that you set that boundary though. Like that <laughs> Thank really, you. you, that was true for you. That was really true for you. And you, I mean, imagine if you'd like kind of forced yourself to do it on principle, like you would have, that yeah. would have been one of those moments that you were talking about right now where you're just like, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. Like, I, I was just like, I, I hate, I hate passing on auditions, but I also, I was like, I just, I have a very active imagination and I can't imagine an outcome that I walk out of that room like sick. Yeah. (laughs) Even if I even and maybe it would have been different if it's not my boyfriend and I'm not like fearing judgment from him or whatever. But it's uh it it was just I I think that the singing thing, and obviously this goes back to American Idol, puts you in and puts me in such a more fragile state of like there's so much more room for error. And like you do have to be so confident, even just breathing. Like in my most nervous auditions for acting, I could get a shortness of breath. And so you Mm -hmm. can't do that and sing a lick of anything. So the stakes are just so much higher the second that music is incorporated. And then improvising music on top of that? No way. About World of Warcraft? About World of Warcraft, (laughs) Alyssa. Like, I just... So it's it's an embarrassing story about something that never actually happened. But And I should say that I know a lot of my friends... Uh, went in and auditioned for it and totally kicked ass like completely kicked ass and were so amazing the person who booked it was incredibly talented it's a really fun dynamic commercial but it's like that you have to have that personal boundary like you're saying of like being willing to do it and being brave enough and also knowing you would have fun and I was like I won't have fun I I can't I'm not I'm going to be she bangs, she bangs. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> what about ha- you, Kat? Do you have any? I have a couple stories, one in particular, where I really froze up, like in a really intense way. Um, and that, you know, that's like, I mean, it, it's not even embarrassed. It's like deep shame, like just mm. like deep shame, disappointment, like, like f- fa- I failed, you know, like really like I had this job and then I blew it, blew it at this one, you know, at the test, there was like this one test 
this isn't actually what ended up happening. What ended up happening is that I ended up testing like 10 more times for the same role and then I didn't get the job. So, <laughs> but, oh my God. But, but that initial one where it was like the, this job was mine for sure and I was the only person testing and I just kind of fucking blew it. And like, Do you want to just quickly re- explain what a, a test is for people who listen but don't, aren't familiar with like pilot season and all of that stuff? Yeah, so, uh, so testing is basically... It's, it's so it's, it's when it's really just between you and and one or two or you know I don't know as many as five other people right. or whatever but but testing tends to be um, you know like the the the, the fine both the penultimate and ultimate step in getting a job uh, for, on TV mm-hmm. if and you're you getting go in front of the executives and they look at you with another person that they're interested in casting opposite of you and they do like different combinations of people and you basically perform the scene together right yeah it's like yeah. the final final audition and so you're either doing it you know and. and and nowadays, sometimes they they take mercy. They have mercy on you, and you do like a, a, it's called a taped test, where you're just in the room with the producers and the, the the creatives, and then they take that tape and they show it to the studio and the network. But back in the day, and even still, sometimes, especially for comedy, because I don't, they want to see how you play in the room or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you you do go in in person, and sometimes you're auditioning for, like, 20 people, you know, yeah. in a small theater or, like, even more. Like, it can be really intense. Um, so, and by the way, absolutely, like, this is, I think, why I loved American Idol so much and, and I mean, why probably to some degree, like, why I'm an actor and why I'm just interested in performance art, period, because I think it's the, the moment before. And, by the way, sports, I mean – I'm just fascinated in like how, by how do we how can we walk into those rooms in those moments? You know what I mean? For sure. Like, like we can't usually say. I mean, I guess unless we're Tanya Harding, like you can't usually be like, "Wait, can I start over?" You know? <laughs> um, like it's really, it, you know, certainly on American Idol. Like I don't. Did they ever have anyone start over? I mean, it was live. Yeah, yeah, not I know. that I know of. If no, they did, right? it was like a oh no, you know, like ter- terrible, horrible. Right. Moment. I mean, I don't even know if that. I mean, I, by the way, I went to live tapings of Idol. I oh wow! Went to, like two <gasps> wow. or three of them. Yeah, and it was real. It was for real. Like it was. They were highly produced. There was a dress rehearsal like right before that, and I went. I I'd been to those dress rehearsals too, and the live tapings. And like you got to go out on that stage and like do your thing, you know, in a really real way. So how do you, knowing that tonight's the night, or like in an hour you're gonna walk out on that stage, or you know in two minutes, or you're the next contestant, or whatever? How yeah. do you? How do you stay grounded in those moments? How do you not have meltdowns like the one that I had, you know, for that one test or whatever? Um, that's it's fascinating to me, and it's not something you can usually pull together in the moment. That's something that you have to work your whole career on, your whole life on, mm-hmm. for sure. You know, yeah, and it's a it's a different sometimes um, muscle because it's you know it's performing under pressure and not and not letting your anxious thoughts get, sabotage yourself essentially. Absolutely, and that's kind Absolutely. of why I love hearing stories where people like catastrophically fail, especially people who've had you know as much success as you've had. Um, I'll never forget, I, you know, when I went in to do my first broadcast pitch, which is really scary for a mm-hmm. young writer and yeah. a, sort of a similar situation to testing where you're pitching to these like stone faced yeah. people who are hearing pitches all day yeah. and you're trying to make them laugh. Um, I heard from another writer who was an executive producer and had been on a lot of shows. He talked about how he just straight up had a panic attack in the middle mm-hmm. of a pitch, even after he'd done it a million times. And he just yeah. like couldn't say anything. Yep. And he just like walked out of the room and totally fucked up and then kept working. You know, the kept working part is what I'm like, OK, so even if the worst possible thing happens and I literally shit my pants in the pitch, yeah. like, <laughs> there is a path forward after this. Well, there is. And that's like that's, you know, that's a big deal. Like it's a big deal to move forward after that kind of thing happening, you know, and 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 I mean, really, like that's, you know, we have to set the stage in our lives for that kind of um recovery, you know, or, or that kind of resilience. Like For sure. we're not just out there. We we don't want to just be like by ourselves in this universe. That's a scary place. Like going and putting ourselves out there like that, pitching pilots and auditioning for TV shows or, you know, 
performing live. Like we want to have a comfy, comforting uh, sense of like secure life, Mm -hmm. ideally. It's very hard to do this alone, you know? For sure. Um, Taylor, did you want to talk a little bit about um, how American Idol affected texting? Because I thought this was fascinating. Yeah, we were chatting right before we started recording, and it's it's uh, always been one of my boyfriend's like kind of weird fun facts that he'll bring up periodically. And so I f- decided to research it today and to see if it was legit, and it is, which is that. Uh, so the first season of American Idol came out in two thousand and one, and then in, and you would have to call in over the phone, and it was a lot right. of landlines to do the vote. 2002, season two, AT&T becomes a sponsor of American Idol, and you could start texting to vote. So suddenly, like, millions of Americans got texting added to their cell phone plans. And this is back in the days of, like, T9 and all that jazz, uh, (laughs) just so that they can vote for American Idol. And it, like, completely changed the culture of how we use cell phones. And I even remember at the time, like, I was talking – my parents didn't have text messaging when they first got cell phones. And I remember hearing about it at school and, like, trying to pitch it to them. I was like, guys, please, (laughs) like, you guys should get it. I can then just, like, text you and you could come pick me up from rehearsal. And my mom would be like, text messages? I I don't need to text you. I could just make a phone call. And American Idol just, like, completely changed it because then we all got – tech. even if you – everybody just got it. And then – that same system that AT&T built in for uh, viewers to vote in their votes for American Idol is now the same exact system that we use for text to donate. Oh. Isn't that crazy? So that, that is it's just like cool. the same exact technology and is that we were, you know, voting for Kelly Clarkson is like why people Aww. could send in money for like, you know, the Haiti earthquake and Hurricane Katrina and like it's See, that, that same American technology. American Idol really gave back. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> they really gave back. I we, have to also say that I miss T9 texting so much. I used, we were when I was in high school, cell phones were like forbidden. It was like totally different than, you know, people just filming their teacher doing whatever now. And I would, everyone would hide their cell phone on inside their desk and you just had memorized feeling the keys without looking at it and you could right. text without looking and I missed that. Right. Oh yeah, we were basically like typing code. Like yeah. Tina yeah. was so, it was all these patterns and things you had to know. Like I was failing math while also like fully doing intense T9 typing under yeah. the desk. It's like that, that's why that, that real estate in my brain was pretty busy. I just want to wrap it up and ask if you guys have a favorite contestant, whether they won or they were terrible or any of that. That's. I mean, I, the contestant I always remember, but I'm not looking at a list right now. So I don't know if I could, I don't, I don't know if this, like if you showed me a list, maybe I'd say something different, but so memorable to me. And I, he didn't win, but Ruben stuttered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was just like, so he was so grounded and, um, authentic he was so authentic he was so like him so talented so like genuine and like I don't know he just he he he, I got so warm every time I watched him you know Mm -hmm. he was really moving to me for some reason he was like really like a really natural genuine super talented like presence in that show Mm -hmm. so I would say him probably what about you Taylor I also love two of the more recent ones come to mind. I actually more recent. I'm like not even sure, but I have always loved Jordan Sparks. I think she's Mm -hmm. just her energy. She's so watchable and then so undeniably a huge talent. And I saw her also on tour with the Jonas Brothers in like (laughs) 2012. Uh, So that was a really big part of like my teenage years. But I also remember getting such a kick out of Adam Lambert in his season because he was his own. He was like so he was I think he's an example of someone who I think we could say is certainly authentic and still being so extreme and so theatrical and he seemed like such a breath of fresh air on this show that like was creating the certain stereotypes that like always or archetypes that like always won and I just like fucking loved him and his eyeliner and his like huge powerhouse voice and He's By the way, I just remembered, I was at that finale. No! no! Yes, wow. I was at that finale. Oh, my God, that's so cool. That was really cool. That was cool. Uh, that's amazing. I just that's remembered awesome. it. Yeah, he's, he, was, he was phenomenal. 
Yeah, and he's he the lead singer of Queen now, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, see, I didn't even. Know and that, he's done Rock of Ages on it. Broadway. Yeah, like I knew that. he's so great. His voice is unreal, and I just he was like the first of his kind too on that show of just being like really leaning into like a character and an image and like having a certain tone. And I fucking loved yeah. him. He's such a rock Do you have a star. favorite, Alyssa? Who's your um, favorite? I loved Kelly Clarkson because yeah. when right after she won, she released the song Miss Independent, which was like an anthem for me at the time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I dragged my mom to go see from Justin to Kelly, and we were the only <gasps> yes! people in the theater. Oh, and my mom was oh, hysterically cuties. laughing, and I was like, "This is serious. This is my generation's Greece." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is my generation's Greece. That's so good. It's so That's terrible. Amazing. And then I, I just think like she has truly, and again on this topic of authenticity, I mean, she's talked a lot about her weight fluctuation, and yeah. she openly has said like, "I've decided to." be the weight that I am because I'm tired of feeling like I want to kill myself for not eating and being too skinny and she's been really serious about suicidal ideation and body weight and I think Mm. that's really commendable as someone who continues to be on TV and is in the public eye and we don't have a lot of examples of that so that's great yeah yeah Yeah, she's cool she's a cool chick and super talented for sure um well thank you so much cap this was awesome um do you have any projects that are coming up or people um can check out your podcast yeah i would love people to check out my podcast i have a ton of interviews for season two in the can we have amazing people um and but i haven't put it out yet so at some point soon (laughs) season two will come out uh everyone will be aware of that they can follow me on instagram and you know know about that and um and i have some movies coming out i have something coming out on amazon in the in september called first one in um and they can see me in a movie called accommodations that's out right now on showtime and um um i believe also amazon and hulu and then um yeah, I think that's I think that's it. That's awesome. Guys. Yay. Yeah. Everybody check all of that out and also check out Kat's Instagram so you can see her very cute baby and her cute dog Lofi, which is the best yeah. name for a dog. Oh, <laughs> no. Lofi's the best. I have to post some Lofi vids. Oh. She's, she's so good. I know. She really brings Lofi. a lot of joy. She's deaf now, just deaf. Oh no. Just so deaf. But she can still see a little bit. So oh. <laughs> um. Well, yeah, it's been you. really fun. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, and I love what you're doing. And keep keep on. Thanks. It's been fun. Thanks. Bye. Bye, guys.